Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome into another episode of Loon Talk. Jonathan Harrison here. Pleased to have you join us this week on Loon Talk, wherever you find your podcasts. Joined by Voice of the Loons, officially Voice of the Loons now. You're the only guy, Dan. Dan, joins us. Best of one. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Last man standing. That's right. (laughs) And then AJ Fredrickson, our trusty producer for our Minnesota United broadcast over on 1500 ESPN and wherever you want to find us over there. Uh, He is joining us as well as usual. AJ, how are we doing today? Uh, pretty good. Not too much to complain about, uh, despite, you know, the, the, the lead up to the game with how much we were talking and maybe doubting and we'll get into it. And then the blizzard all week, it looked like it was just going to be a bad week overall, uh, for loons fans. And then all of a sudden they come out with a blaze of glory and cap off the week on a high note, which was amazing. So, uh, Absolutely. not too much to complain about on this Monday. All right. So let's get into it then. Uh, since there's not much to complain about and, uh, the loons, they start off the season <laughs> with all three points which I know everybody on this show kind of doubted it would happen. Although you do, you two did predict uh, they would lose. I'm not going to take that loss uh, because uh, you know, certain people might get mad at us for doing that, but whatever, we're not paid by them now. So uh, no, it was a one nil win, a good one nil win. I liked what I saw. Yeah. The big story, obviously no Emmanuel Reynoso, no Luis Amaria, but they still looked, I think they looked like the most cohesive unit we've seen from them in probably half a season since probably that good run in July and August. That was the most cohesive unit we've seen. The defense was stout. We'll get into that a little bit, but just overall thoughts start from there, Dan. Uh, I I agree. I guess the surprising part of it all was that, you know, first couple matches of the year, you expect uh, more errant passes, more miscommunication. And, And there was some, but, not as much as as I expected to see. Uh, so yeah, if that's what you mean by cohesive, um, they moved the ball well. They just seemed like they were on the same page more so than than we saw a good part of last year, and more so than you'd expect for the first time out. So that's what really stuck with me is that uh, they look kind of mid season form in some ways, and. Um, you know, there's still things that obviously need to be better. And, you know, they still, you know, only scored one goal. But, you know, if your defense is is playing great, that's going to win you uh, quite a few matches. So, yeah. I don't know. I it, To me, it was just, um, like you mentioned, eh, expectations were – I don't want to say the expectations were low. It, it just – there were too many question marks yeah. to really have an idea of what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and it was a lot better than, you know – than what I expected. I don't know. What did you think, AJ, uh, after uh, having a, a couple of days to let this one sink in? Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head with it there, that they looked not they, – they didn't look like a chicken with their head cut off. Like you kind of expect maybe some teams to do, especially with the impact of not having Manuel Reynoso there. They looked like they had a very cohesive game plan. It looked like all 11 players bought into whatever system they wanted to go with. And I think that's that speaks a lot of volume just for – um, at times we didn't know the identity of this club last season and maybe we did for a few weeks, but then, you know, they start trending downwards and it's just like, are you defensive? Are you offensive? What are you going to do? Saturday night was we're going to limit your chances and then we're going to have to make the most of it when we do have an opportunity. So um, the fact that they were able to recognize we're going to be lacking without Reynoso, we're just going to move our chips around and maybe, other teams didn't expect uh, – um, maybe they didn't expect uh, Minnesota to adjust as much as they didn't stray away from their uh, 2022 identity, but uh, it worked out very well. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see if they can maybe replicate that here, not this week, but the following. Yeah, it was – I liked what as, – as you guys pointed out, it was it was a very cohesive performance. Um, let's start off with the goal. Let's start off with there, and then we'll kind of mm-hmm. break down individual performances. Franco Fragapane uh, – gets the ball off of Mender Garcia kind of taking it down. Frank Aponte kind of just one time lashes the hell out of the ball towards the net. And Martin Paz just, he's not able to catch it because it's come too fast. Pause or just punches it away. And it goes right to Mender Garcia. Who's who gets the start in place of Luis Amaria. And he takes it one time coolly into the back of the net, puts the loons up. I liked the goal for what it, what it represented from that team. They knew they weren't going to have a whole lot of 
possession and chances. They knew that they were going to sit back and kind of just stymie and, and make things frustrating for FC Dallas. And they did that much of the night. And when they did get, when they did take their chances, they would be clinical in them. And they did, they were very clinical on Saturday night, eight total shots and four on target, as opposed to Dallas who had 11 shots and just one on target. So Minnesota took their chances when they had them. And that's something that we didn't see a whole lot of last year was that accuracy of getting your shots on net. Um, we saw a lot of shots, but not a whole lot of shots on net last year. That has changed in this first game, at least, but well-taken goal by Mender Garcia, well-taken uh, original shot by Fragapane as well. Yeah. You, you, um, you, you maybe are only going to get a couple of good chances. If maybe you only get one good chance. And uh, if this team can, can learn to capitalize on those, uh, which good teams do um, makes a big difference. But, um, you know, the ball was put in by uh, Kervin Ariaga. Uh, he dropped it right about the top of the 18. And Garcia uh, did a really good job of getting in the right position so he could get, I think it went off his chest. Yep. Uh, ate it right to uh, Franco Fragapane, who, who just drilled a one-timer. It was a beautiful shot. And 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 if that would have been, you know, off a couple of feet right or left, I don't think that Paws would have been able to knock it away. Uh, and then for Mender to have the presence to continue through the play, get behind the defense. He didn't turn and watch. He turned and went to the goal and was able to put another good one-time strike on it. And and Paws didn't really have a chance on that one. So it was it was the type of goal we didn't see see much of last year from this team and I guess that's another positive sign is to see him score that type of a goal yeah and the placement I would say to know that uh, that's something maybe they've worked on leading up to the game of if we have this chance and the recognition I would say by Mender Garcia to know okay Fragapane he's going to put the laces right through this one. There's a good chance there's going to be a rebound that I can go ahead and hit to the back of the net. So as soon as he sees that one come off the foot of Fragapane, he's bolting right to the front, right in front of Paz, who did make a good stop, just wasn't able to corral it. Um, So the offensive IQ is there. And, you know, for Mender Garcia, who came in um, kind of in that midpoint of the season last year, who we didn't get to see the full, you know, we, we got the appetizer dish. We didn't get the full entree. I'm excited to see what he can do this full season with uh, with all of the regular season under his belt. But uh, what a start for him. And uh, unfortunately, he throws my write that down from last week out the window. There's a lot of our write that downs out the window. There's, from last there's week. a lot, lot of that coming. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, <laughs> without saying. Week one, and there's already a lot of red in the <laughs> on the write that down uh, note board here. So we'll get to that coming up later in the show. Nice tease there, AJ. Uh, let's Let's kind of look at the at the squad and how it was set up and kind of work our way back. We're talking about the goal. So let's talk about that attack. Obviously we've already mentioned no man, Marino, So no Luis Amarillo. So Adrian Heath doesn't change the formation kind of like a lot of people might've thought he would have uh, just with kind of the, with the roster that he had to play with that night, it felt like there might've been a formation change, but he didn't, he stuck with the four, two, three, one, and it worked obviously. Uh, but the, the attack looked met, mm pretty different because of the, the missing bodies. So as the number 10, it was Robin Lud, Franco Fragapani was at, on the left, Bongi was on the right, and Mender was up top. What did you guys think of how the attack played in the opening game of the season? I think maybe he went with that formation just because that's what the players were most familiar with. Maybe they have the most confidence in that form. But, you know, because there weren't we – in, we played in our defensive half of the pitch – a majority of the match. Mm-hmm. So we didn't see a lot of play in the middle third. There really wasn't. Um, but what there was, uh, Robin Ludd did exactly what you'd expect him to do. He made good decisions, made good passes. For the most part, he didn't hook up a couple of times with uh, Franco uh, Fragapane, uh, but that was about it. Everything else was was fairly clean. They were pretty consistent. So, But to be honest, we didn't get a great look at what the chemistry was up front and through the midfield because, you know, because they, you know, Dallas had the ball in our half for a good part of the match and they couldn't, they couldn't do anything with it in there, obviously. So it was kind of a different match in that way. You didn't get to see a lot of the, uh, the middle third of the pitch being used uh, by Minnesota, but, 
that's okay because they use the longer passes and uh, move the ball up, you know, with long, with the long ball more often. And, you know, that resulted in one of the goals. The, the goal scored came from uh, Ariaga was still in the center circle, I think, or close to it. When he, he put that ball to the 18. So it was a different match in a way that you really didn't get to see much of that middle third play. Yeah, I mean, with that too, the, the the speed they have on the outside with Garcia and Longwane is, I think, going to be something they're going to have to maybe rely on here at times, uh, just on counterattacks and whatnot. Just because moving up the field and getting into that that final third is going to be a little tougher since they don't have that powerhouse now in the middle. So when you look at the possession, it was thirty eight percent, and we've talked multiple times in the past about how this team doesn't necessarily need to dominate the possession game. They're, they're able to thrive off shorter spurts of chances. Um, and they get that. Um, w- when you look at shots, sure. They had the lone goal, but Dallas, they were letting it fly from all over 11 shots. Five of those were blocked. And I know we'll talk about the defense and maybe the emergence of the newly acquired uh, center back Tapias, but um, the, it, it goes back to the old saying of like, quantity is not as good as quality. And so Fragapane realizes I've got a quality chance here, um, the best one of the night. And really, the Dallas, despite all those chances, they had one shot on target. Dane St. Clair made a pretty good stop at times, but it didn't feel like at all there was, you know, back-to-back times of threats. It was just maybe one chance that was cast aside. Um, Minnesota at times, whether it was a, a set piece that, um, went off the, the crossbar or, you know, just crossing balls in and maybe a, a little bit of chaos inside of the box. They had times where they actually were able to not sustain pressure, but they, it peaked, if that makes sense. They, the pressure that they had peaked at times and you were like, okay, that, that could have resulted and maybe should have resulted in a, a better outcome. They just weren't able to capitalize. Kind of looking through some of the stats from the past couple of years, and I find it very interesting that uh, over the past three seasons, the Loons, when they've had less than 40% of the possession, they've lost two games out of, let me do this math here quick, five, eight, not five, so 12, I think that is, or 13, two out of 13 games when they've had less than 30% or less than 40% of the possession, they've won. I don't know why that is. I will have to might, might have to look into it, but this was just another game where they knew they would have to bunker down and set up, and they did, and they can't they come out with a winner. And some of those games where they had less than forty percent of the possession, all five last year, they won all five. They're five and zero when they had less than forty percent. It's that's a crazy number that can't be normal across the league. You'd have, we'd have to look much deeper into the rest of the teams in the league, but that is such a weird thing to happen for this team because it's it's a stretch. It's a run now going on three years. I could keep looking going back in time, but like that, it's it says something about this team, and I'm not sure what that. It doesn't matter <laughs> if they have or if they give up a ton of possession. They feel like they'll be they'll find a way to win, and this time they did it without their best guy. It was it's it's just another sign that this team can play cohesive. It's just when are we going to get that? Because it's always been a little bit inconsistent. Yeah, I, I've always felt that the uh, the time of possession stat didn't mean all that much. I don't really care for it that much. Here's what I'd like to see. With the analytics available today, if you could take the possession time and break it down to possession time in the other team's half of the pitch, then I think you'd have a more accurate um, feel for the match. Because right now, if you look at possession time alone at, at a match that just concluded it doesn't you really can't take anything from it it doesn't tell you anything but now if you have possession time in the uh, in the opponent's half of the pitch uh i think you'd have a number that you could at least have some idea of of how things went and uh in this case it would have been much different because uh the dallas's possession time a uh, good portion of that, three-fourths of it, was in their own half. Uh, they couldn't move the ball. And so, I don't know. I just think it's one of those stats that doesn't tell you a lot. Yeah, so I went back and looked. Uh, the 2017-2018 seasons, obviously, we know what happened there and how bad those seasons were. 
So there was a lot of losses overall. But when you look at 2019, they had, I think it was like 10 games where it was under 40%. And they only lost two of them. They drew three and then won the other. So like this, this thing has been going on since essentially Minnesota United 2.0, if that's what you want to call it, from when, <laughs> when they brought in Ozzy Lonzo and Ike Opara and really like kicked it forward, especially with Allianz Field, and started actually competing really well in this league. They've been dang near unbeatable when they have when they give up a ton of possession. It's so weird. But going back <laughs> they, to this game. So they're better they're better when they're not touching the ball is what you're saying. Yeah, they're the anti-Barcelona. That's why it doesn't need, make sense. Where they don't need the yeah. possession. <laughs> Who cares about tiki-taka football? Who cares about possession and a thousand passes in a game? Nah, we're just going to hunker down. We're going to beat you. This That's ultimate like Jose Mourinho style football. Mm-hmm. Good old Heath ball. Good old yeah. Heath ball. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the way the former Everton attacker wants to play, but <laughs> it's how it works for this team. So it's weird. Uh, going back to this game, now that we're off that conversation and the way they played. We've mentioned the defense a couple times and how impressively they kind of just shut down Dallas's attack. 11 shots for Dallas, only one on target. As AJ said, they were launching the balls from everywhere, but they couldn't get – it felt like they really couldn't get into Minnesota's penalty box. The only time they could do it was on corner kicks, and they were drilling those corner kicks to, like, essentially right in front of Dane St. Clair. But that defense stood up and – the guy who impressed me the most, I mentioned this on the broadcast Saturday night, was the new guy, Miguel Tapias. He, it felt like his timing on Saturday night was so impressive and it was one of the best. He had one of the best timings in the entire defense on both sides because he knew exactly when to step up and poke away the ball and cut off an attack or cut off a, a channel for or that Dallas was going to utilize. And he, it just felt like whatever they tried to do, and they were going at him at his side of the field most of the night. They were targeting Kamar Lawrence and Miguel Tapias, trying to get on, trying to get in on that pairing, and they couldn't do it because you look at the you look at the stats and where Dallas had the ball when they were attacking. It was mainly down that right hand side. It was mainly down Paul Ariola's side, and they just couldn't find a way through. And I I want to give a lot of credit to Tapias and his his timing and his his general play on Saturday night. Yeah, you can you can see why the uh, the club made it a priority to get him and not to wait, um, and and because they obviously knew what he was available to do and and able to do. And, and the thing about it is, this was his you know first match with the team. Two new pieces on defense, not just him. You know, you also had. Uh, Valentine on the right that was new. So they had every reason to be a little disjointed, maybe to struggle with communication. But if this is the first, you know, test sample for those four, and particularly with Boxel and Tapius, they're only going to get better. And I think we're going to see Michael Boxel get to play a little bit differently than he has in the past. Um, there's there's been opportunities for him in the past where uh, and all middlebacks get this where all of a sudden the whole middle of the pitch opens up for you know 50 yards and he sometimes would take off into that uh, big abyss um, but not so much lately uh, just because of who he's been playing with maybe not feeling that he can roam as much now you've got a guy like Tobias back there you might see him take more of those runs you might see him hang around inside the 18 longer after a corner kick and things like that. So this is just the beginning. And I think this chemistry will only build on that back four. And uh, this is any indication, yeah, this could be one of the best uh, defensive groups in the league. And I think if you look just past them too, Kervin Ariaga had a phenomenal night defensively because he was everywhere on Minnesota's side of, of the half line. He, uh, I mean, he, I think he had like four interceptions, uh, three clearances. He blocked a couple shots. He made a couple tackles. He was very aggressive with his, um, with the ground duels. He won five of eight. And that was, I, from my quick look, the most of any, wow. any player on the Minnesota side. So he kind of was all around, supporting and was dropping back if you look at his heat map that kind of left center back side almost assisting with Tapias in his first night of you know Minnesota United soccer so um, not to take away from anything Jonathan you said about Tapias and his you know great debut um, but Ariaga was there as a nice kind of little sidekick for him I think in terms of being able to drop back and support 
um, if needed on the, the Minnesota defensive side of things. You know what else we learned about Carbon Arrogate? What's Kid that? can hit a hell of a free kick from distance. <laughs> Almost yes. hit it in the net from what, 20, 25, maybe longer, 30 yes. yards out? That was yeah. an incredible free kick. Yeah, funny yeah. enough. As I was lamenting what we're going to do without Emmanuel Reynoso, and then he <laughs> throws that laser beam off the post. Okay, never mind. And I'm still worried his left hand is still wrapped from last year. I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> I don't think it's an injury. I think he's just ready to punch a guy if it comes to it. <laughs> it looks like he's putting on the foil. Yeah, he's foiling up. So There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the 1-0 win uh, changed a lot of – minds i guess maybe after one game it's it's hard to say but uh it was a very impressive victory from what they were having to deal with all the pressure and all all the talk from all the commentary and analysts from across major league soccer there's a lot of talk that they just get their doors blown out and just it wouldn't even be a competition they go in and win one nil does that win change your perspective of the season or your thoughts for what may come this season i know it's just one game but the way they did it was fairly impressive. Does it change your thinking of how this team might compete this season? Yes. AJ? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, to an extent, because it's one of those, like, you know, sports media, you're going to have those week one, whether it's, you know, yeah. football or football. You have those week one overreactions and whatnot. But I, I do think it changes my opinion a decent amount, but you do have to look at, was it, they were that good defensively or was Dallas that unprepared offensively? Because you could say, okay, they, you know, they took 11 shots and Minnesota blocked five of those. And, um, you know, Dane St. Clair had a good night and goal uh, with the one big save and threat that they, that he stopped. But the trigger discipline for Dallas maybe wasn't the best because if they're missing the target that often, and you know, almost half of their shots are getting blocked were they really that great of opportunities to begin with? Um, that being said, the fact that Minnesota did kind of find an identity and really lean into how they're going to play, that speaks volumes to me because that's going to get you, you know, that's going to earn you a couple wins just right off the bat against some of these teams that struggle offensively. And um, I, I think they do have the firecrackers that can maybe capitalize. Like we saw, like Fragapane, we saw last year, he can be a guy that is going to, you know, either assist or be able to be good on that left wing. Uh, Mender Garcia now, maybe he's going to be a guy that can also thrive in that role as well. But um, defensively, they showed me that they're going to be able to lock down teams to an extent. And like I said, it's maybe it was just first week jitters for, for Dallas, but I expected Dallas to look a lot better than they did too. So credit to Minnesota there. I think that they, I think I predicted that they were going to miss the playoffs slightly and it would come down to the last week. I think they get in now. Um, if in, you know, stuff can change because similar to what we said, they're going to expectedly get Reynoso back at some point. That's the hope. Um, but you know, even if they don't right now, it's going to have to be one of those, they're grinding out wins. I don't think it's going to be flashy, but they're going to, they're, they're going to get more wins than I anticipated a week ago. I hope they get in eight of 14 teams in the Western conference get in this year. Yeah. Thanks yeah. to the new playoff format. A week ago, we didn't know that playoff format, so that yeah. makes, changes things a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> eight of fourteen, and then eight of what fifteen in the Western Conference. Just a ridiculous amount of teams are going to get in to the playoffs at this point. Over half the teams in the league get in. It's just like, hey, shouldn't the playoffs be kind of special? Whatever. That's a whole different <laughs> podcast at this Isn't point. It? But yeah, uh, you are so old. You're so old. Come on, like these guys are going to be playing enough games with all the exterior competitions. Do we really need a home, home, and home or a best of three in the first round and then have these guys play more games at the end of the season? Like, is there going to be anybody standing when it comes to the MLS Cup playoffs or the MLS Cup final? At that point, all the players will have run their legs off. Like, let's start thinking about the players a little bit at least. Whatever. Is like Nashville still in the East or do they move them back to the West this week? <laughs> I think this week they're staying in the East. We'll see. We'll see how long it's how long they, they stay in the East. They could just be a floating team, and then they can end up somewhere. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that where a team just like continues to flip flop conferences year in year out. Like I get why they had to do it for MLS is back because everything was weird and just like some teams or one team at least didn't get to go. Maybe two. I don't remember. But it's just like this team just cannot stay in a conference, and it's ridiculous. It's like once you're there, just stay there. Don't don't change. 
unless there's a whole conference or a whole league realignment, whatever. Again, different podcast for a different week. I want to try something. Uh, let's uh, let's do, and this sparked by something AJ said, let's do week one overreactions. Just, I didn't tell you about this, mm-hmm. and uh, this is something that I just came up with off the spot. Week one, Minnesota United overreactions after that game. Dan, go. You mean my overreaction? Yeah, what's your overreaction? Can be anything. Oh, my over- be serious, can just be anything. My overreaction is going from not thinking they might make the playoffs to being confident they'll make the <laughs> playoffs. And, and because it's just one match. I mean, yeah. they could come out and uh, open up at home and, and look, you know, look rusty and flat. And then you're back to where we were a week ago going, yeah, I don't know how they're going to win games. So I think the uh, optimism, my incredible optimism gained by one match was an over is probably an overreaction, but it's kind of fun too. So fair. AJ. Um, I need them to not turn the ball over as much. That was, I was getting sick of, and maybe that plays into just how they try to progress up the field. And maybe that's going to be an issue for the first couple of weeks without Reynoso and kind of, that lack of identity in the midfield, but they do have it defensively is, I mean, the the possession obviously wasn't there, but they had a passing completion percentage of under 80%. And I feel like 80% is the benchmark of that's an okay night. You want to be, you know, at least above 80%. They finished at 76, which I think is just unacceptable. You're professional soccer players. If you can't look up in, 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 granted, granted, they, they were wearing a pretty rough combo for a kit, um, not a fan of the black the and white, so, so maybe that threw him off a little bit. But uh, no, it, it, you, you need to complete these passes, and you can't be turning the ball over as much. You need to have a sense as a professional player, okay, somebody's right on me here. I need to move the ball. And if you can't do that, you're going to give it away, and it's going to allow for opportunities the other way um, for the opposition. So that I, I need them to limit the, the turnovers and uh, just you know complete your passes. Complete your passes. You know who had a 68.2 passing completion last year on the loans? Who's that? Emmanuel Reynoso. He was one of oh. the least accurate passers on this team last year. Ah, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> Granted, Crazy. Now, some Anybody of that stuff was probably him, like, trying things, trying to get, yeah. trying to make creative passes happen. But still, like, it's a pretty low bar for what's supposed to be one of the more creative and best passes in this team. But overall, uh, looking back at their their total stats last year, a 77.4 mm-hmm. pass completion. So, yeah, it's always been something that's never been the smoothest for them is completing mm-hmm. strings of passes. But, yeah, uh, for me, overreaction is I think they might have one of the better defenses in the league because of you've got the veteran ability of Michael Boxel. As I said, I like what I saw from Miguel Tapias. Granted, one game, but from what we saw from the games that you're able to see from Mexico, the highlight reels, obviously, Dan mentioned during the broadcast highlight reels are meant to make you look good. So take those with a grain of salt, but from what we've seen, what we've heard, the scouting reports and everything, this kid has a good passing skills or passing range and his timing's pretty dang good. And we saw that Mm -hmm. in the first week and you pair that up with Kamar Lawrence. Who's already, who's always been one of the better left backs in the league. You've got uh, at right back, Zarek Valentine, week veteran or DJ Taylor, depending on who's going to start that week. It looks like Zarek is Valentine's job because They've been trying to replace DJ Taylor for a couple of years now, it feels like, at this point. So, I mean, Valentine had a good debut performance. So, if they can continue this and Dane St. Clair takes that step that we talked about last week, they could have one of the better defenses in the league, which will ease things yeah. up for their offense. That's my overreaction. They anyways. could. They could. A couple of things real quick uh, that you guys reminded me of. <clears throat> one, let's not forget that Mender Garcia now, if he stays healthy, is on pace to score 40-plus goals. So, go. that's a big deal. Um, and, uh, what was with the Sunday night men's league uniforms? What, do, did we ever hear what happened there? Why they were wearing mismatched uniforms? So I think it's because Dallas's kit is the white that fades into the black shorts. And apparently uh-huh. you can't have a team, one team, the home team gets to decide what they wear. So they went with their new white kits that has the flame emoji on it because whatever, I guess that's what we're doing in 2023. It's just so bad. Uh, and the, their shorts are black. So Minnesota couldn't go with their normal black shirt, black short combo that 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 the night kid is. So they had to switch, I guess, is what I would guess the explanation is. I mean, it's almost like nobody planned ahead for these uniforms. 
should have just debuted. Well, he couldn't debut the Weird. naked because it's also white. So yeah, they had to adjust and just like, yeah, it, didn't look yeah, like it, was, it, it wasn't a good look. It didn't look like a major league soccer uh, match from the uniforms. It's almost like every team in the league should have a third kit just in case something like this happens. Oh, but uh, no. I guess that's, that's never going to happen. That's logical, John. Yeah. It only <laughs> makes sense. All right. So that's enough about Minnesota. We spent, uh, what, 30 minutes? On them and that win, mm-hmm. so good win for them. We're not going to preview the Red Bulls here because that's still another week away. Red Bulls had just a snoozer of a game that they lost in Orlando. That is just un- that's kind of hard to get through because it's just a boring game. Not much happened. Um, so we'll watch them this weekend. Uh, Dan will be on vacation next weekend because he just wants to escape the Minnesota cold because old man snowbird stuff yes. he's going down to arizona yes so he won't be around so aj and i will preview that match a little bit next tuesday and kind of review what happened in the league this week so let's take a look at what happened across major league soccer this last weekend in the season opener and man plenty to talk about uh el trafico la derby whatever the hell you want to call it canceled because of snow and rain in los angeles uh, i guess another thing we're doing in 2023 is Snow and rain in Los Angeles, something they haven't had. Just forever. play. Come on. <laughs> Why didn't they play? Because streets were flooding and it was extremely dangerous to go outside your house. So that's ah, LA. It looked really go bad for from it. the videos that I saw, but uh, that game postponed till July 4th. So LA Derby at the Rose Bowl on July 4th. I guess it's a pretty good substitution for the, the, the season opening game. Um, but the rest of the league and how they play and some of these other games incredible drama on match week one plenty of stoppage time winners none more uh hilarious than san jose losing two to one to atlanta with two tiago almada just incredibly impressive goals from the world cup winner and they didn't they had eight minutes of stoppage time because from essentially minute one of the second half san jose was trying to play just delay ball just the bleep housery trying to just eat up clock for minute one, and it came back to bite them. So congratulations, San Jose. You ran into karma on week one. Good job. <laughs> stretchers everywhere. <laughs> so bad. <sighs> hey, when you when you bring up the stretchers twice, and then the player doesn't even get on them and just walks off and hops back on the field, you deserve to lose. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> other crazy results that happened. D.C. United get a goal in the 90th minute from Christian Benteke to draw it even 2-2 against a Toronto side that many people are predicting is going to be, despite the the top-end talent they have, everywhere else on the roster is kind of bad. So projecting it's going to be one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and then in the, the eighth minute of stoppage time there as well, a Cudi Pietro goal is it puts D.C. United up 3-2 for the win for uh, a team that was the worst team in the league last year. So Wayne Rooney gets off the bench, uh, gets off – to a good start in DC, uh, Philadelphia, they continue doing things that we expected them to do. They go down early to Columbus, but then they just fire in four goals after the 45th minute. Just incredible, incredible stuff from Philadelphia this weekend. What results stuck out to you guys? I think for me, it was that Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, because Philadelphia is, is like, you go, okay, you're down and and go, are they, you know, uh, you know, they're starting slow, whatever. And then they, you know, they said they bang in four goals, AJ, and you're going, okay. So Philadelphia is still Philadelphia. They're going to score a lot. And it was just a fluke that they got behind, but that was the one that jumped out at me too. Personally, for me, the other one, other than the Philadelphia scoreline was uh, St. Louis taking down Austin FC who would have thought that was even possible a week ago, but they go out and kind of run rampant on what I expected to be a very, very good Austin team. I think still um, has the potential to be a very, very good Austin team. You know, they still have Drussy who is, I mean, he's such a key to just their offense and everything, but um, no, it's, it's pretty incredible. Not only did they win, they opened the scoring in the 24th minute, like they were cruising into halftime. Um, granted, I guess not halftime, but they were set to go into halftime before a drossy goal, four minutes in stoppage time. Um, very, very confidently. And then they fight back from a two goal deficit scoring in the 78th minute. And then in the 86th minute for the winner, mm-hmm. I mean, St. Louis, uh, I mean, we kind of took jabs at them last week and the strategy and whatnot on paper that they took, um, heading into the season and how they kind of went about their business was maybe not the best on paper, theoretically, but they come out of the 
they, they come out of week one with a big win and they are currently second in the Western conference. And that doesn't matter as much. And that's just based on, you know, differentials and everything like that. But that is shocking that they were able to take down Austin FC. And I want to say that was on the road. Was it not? Yeah, it was at Austin. Yeah. Yes. It was down it was. So here, here's, here's a question for you guys. Then looking at the success that Austin had, as a, as a new team, looking at what happened with St. Louis, Nashville did very well as an expansion team. Is our expansion uh, process too generous? Should these teams not be this competitive right away? Well, Austin, it took a year to do well. Nashville, basically. One year? Had, yeah, it took them. I mean, they were I mean, that's all. That's season. all. It only took a year. I mean, yeah, LA, but look how quickly they, you know. The Las Vegas Golden Knights were in the Stanley Cup Finals their first year. So if we want to talk about generous expansion processes, See, that, you might want to hammer should, the NHL. To me that, <laughs> I guess maybe maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm a Minnesota sports fan, and I figure it should take, you know, 40, 50 years to build a program. So um, I've been, I've been uh, let's see, Wild Cups, zero. NBA yeah. championships for the Timberwolves, zero. Uh, Vikings, Super Bowl, zero. Yeah, see, these teams are not due yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's too early. <laughs> So I don't know. I just I just wondering if maybe our expansion uh, process, the draft, and all, is a little too general. I don't know. It's just I, I mean, like, I guess, but that's what we want. We want competitive leagues. So yeah, I think I when it think comes to expansion teams, like it's just it, it's so the textbook on how that happens is just so easy, and it seems like it's a rinse repeat every time there's a team. But you know, you mentioned Vegas Golden Knights, or if you look at even the Seattle Kraken, or if you look at you know Austin or St. Louis it's so easy for those guys to walk into the locker room and immediately have that bond of, Hey, we were all, we're all kind of castaways from former teams. And now we are the underdogs. And it's, you know, how many times have you seen a movie about a team that is the top dog who just rifles through the competition and then they walk into the championship. You don't see that, you know, it, it's, it's easy to root for an underdog. It's easy to back that and have that like emotion uh, centered behind it. So, just having the chemistry and being able to go out there every game. And they're going to have this every single game of the season. No, I don't care if they head into the playoffs as the one seed. They are going to be looked at as an underdog, I feel like. And they're going to be able to go out there every single night and say, look, nobody expects us to do it. So why not just do it? I don't think it's generous because it all, it all truly depends on how much you're going to spend. Because you look at how Atlanta and LAFC built their rosters, and they went out wanting to compete right away. Uh, teams like Minnesota or St. Louis or or Nashville or Austin even, they didn't go out and spend right away. They kind of built up their rosters. They did it in different ways. Minnesota relied on the draft. They didn't rely on a whole lot of youth academies, academy guys. Uh, and some of these teams that came in, they didn't spend a whole lot right away, and they struggled right out the gates. FC Cincinnati, they struggled for three years. They were the worst team in the league for three years. They had record-setting defensive performances and not good records to hold in how bad they were, but they were still spending money. They just weren't doing it correctly. So it's all, it all really depends on how good your front office is and how, how good you are at scouting. And some of these teams, they know what they're looking for, like LAFC and Atlanta, they knew what they were looking for right out the gate and it worked for them. So I don't think St. Louis is going to be able to carry on their success from week one for the entirety of the season. Like they had to come back. They had to rely on it hilariously bad performance from one Austin player, basically gifting them three goals. And so it's just, I think it might be a little bit fluky. It might be a little week one. I also may that, that thing might come back to bite me because St. Louis might be better than we all thought because of how, how well they'll play cohesively and how they want to set up and play. But I don't think that's a team that's going to be competing for a playoff spot this year that based off how they built their roster, it feels like that's a team that is going to struggle a lot this season. They got a really good opening week uh, debut win for them. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's uh, we're 40 minutes into this show. Let's, let's get to the predictor, Dan. Let's get to the predictor. We pick three matches and predict the winner and the score. Uh, one of them needs to be a, the upcoming Minnesota United match since they are not playing this week. Uh, Jonathan made a management decision that we all have to pick what he deemed as being the worst game of the week, uh, uh, San Jose and Vancouver. So that will be the replacement for the Minnesota match in the predictors. And what we're learning in the predictors is that it's not 
what you pick, it's who you pick after that that makes the key difference. So, <laughs> what is the order this? What is the order this week in the predictor? Uh, Dan, you started last week. AJ was second. I was third. So now AJ yes. starts. I'll go second. Dan is last. Uh, let's get through some of what happened last week, as we'll call it, for both of these next coming segments. Our accountability session. Uh, we all predicted Minnesota wouldn't win. You guys predicted they lose. I predicted they draw. But we all. Get no points there because it's a 1-0 Minnesota win. We all predicted LAFC, LA Galaxy, you know, sticking to kind of each other's picks here. And because that was postponed, we'll have to wait till July 4th for that one to come off the board. Oh, man. Both AJ and I both got at least one point because I predicted that FC Cincinnati would win 2-1 or 2-0 over Houston. Houston opened up the scoring, but FC Cincinnati came back and won it 2-1. So I get a point for correcting the correct, uh, predicting the correct uh, pick. And then AJ was literally just one goal off from being correct here as well. He predicted a 3-1 Rail Salt Lake win. It was a 2-1 Rail Salt Lake win. So AJ and I are tied for one. Dan, you are still looking for your first points of the season. With that, AJ, take it away. All right, let's get the the lackluster game right out of the gate here. I am going to go San Jose, Vancouver, 1-1. 1-1 for the seat still available. Yes. The seat still available game. Kids see it's still just five bucks. So make sure you get out there and take the kids to the park. Bring the whole family. Uh, so my thinking with this, with this executive decision, I explained it to you guys beforehand. I just want to explain it to the listeners as well, is that these games, when it's just two bad teams, can go one of two ways. It'll be the most boring, unentertaining game of your life, or it'll be a complete bleep show. And it's just the stupidest, craziest most chaos-ridden game of your life will will unfold in front of you. So that's why these games are hard to predict because it's just two bad teams or what you would project to be two bad teams going up against each other. AJ, you did 1-1. I'm going to go the chaos route because I love me some chaos in sports. 3-2 Vancouver. There's going to be goals. There's going to be some shenanigans. There might even be a couple yellow cards, maybe a red card or two. It's going to be 3-2 Vancouver. Dan? Okay. And I told you earlier that I had scribbled out the score on this one about five times, but about 20 minutes ago, I stopped. So I did not, I'm not playing off of you on this one. I have Vancouver three, San Jose one. Oh, I like it. Yeah. All so right. There you go. AJ. Second All pick. right. The next one is going to be, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm declaring that FC Dallas currently is in poor form based off what I saw on Saturday. <laughs> So I am okay. going to say that LA Galaxy is going to beat Dallas 2-0 this weekend. I mean, they had a week off, so. Wow. Yeah, they're going to be itching <laughs> to get out there and find the back of the net. Dallas, I think, is going to be struggling a little bit. and They're, <clears> they're going to overthink it maybe. So, yeah, Galaxy 2, Dallas, nothing. All right, Dan. or No, it's me. Uh, I'm going Austin-Montreal. I think Austin should have probably won that game against St. Louis. Montreal have just had maybe one of the worst off seasons in the entire league. It's going to be three nil Austin. They're hosting this game. Montreal are not going to be good. Three nil Austin FC. Dan, I I predict, I'm guessing you picked this game. I also picked that game and I have Austin three Montreal one. Nice. There you go. (laughs) Third round. Here we go. AJ. All right, so I mentioned earlier, St. Louis's big upset, in my opinion at least, over Austin FC Week 1. I don't think they upset again, but I think they do remain unbeaten heading into uh, their third game. So I have them taking on Charlotte. I think the final will be drawn at 2-2. Nice, solid. I also went a 2-2 result uh, with my third pick of the week. I'm going... The Inter-Miami-Philadelphia Union game. Both these teams looked good in their first week uh, for very different reasons. Philadelphia just continued to pick up where they left off. Inter-Miami are getting their bearings set with uh, Joseph Martinez as their starting striker for their team. I'm going to predict a 2-2 result between these two teams. That could be a... I think Inter-Miami is going to be a lot better than people think, and especially if they get Lionel Messi this summer, they could be competing for the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, if that happens, God, I hope that happens. I hope we get Lionel Messi in MLS this summer. <laughs> That'd be so much fun. It'd be so incredible. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be 2-2. All right. Dan, your final All pick. right. I was uh, as tempting as it was to jump on the Charlotte-St. Louis game, but because but I'm not going to because I have no idea what's going to happen there. I'll leave that one alone. Instead, you might notice all of my picks are 3-1 results. <laughs> 
I have for my third one. And you know why I do that is so I can remember what I picked. So it's the only <laughs> shot I got at remembering. Uh, uh, I have LAFC three, Portland one. It's probably a good shout because LAFC don't have or didn't have the game this week. And Portland are playing Monday night tonight as we're recording. Mm-hmm. So they'll have, they'll play tonight and then they'll have to turn around and play again on Saturday. Whereas LAFC still haven't played a game. So that's probably a good shout. Uh, next yeah. up. Our last segment of the show every week, write that down. Three soccer-related predictions don't have to be score lines, but if you want, you can do that. Uh, one of them has to be Minnesota United-related. Otherwise, the rest can be either MLS or outside of soccer. Uh, let's get through our accountability session. Everything that went wrong last week from left to right on my score sheet here. Uh, I said Minnesota United will win their season opener this weekend. Got that right, but I parlayed it with saying Robin Lode will be involved in all of Minnesota's goals. He was not because it was just a rebound goal to Mender Garcia. The solo goal for him. Uh, Dan, you said Robin Lode will be involved in Minnesota United's first goal. And they only had one goal, and we already know that didn't happen. AJ, though, had two come off the board incorrect, saying Minnesota United will not score until their third game of the season. Boo, wow. Mr. Downer, hater guy. What a and hater. Yeah. then he also said the first Minnesota United goal will be scored by, by Banghukle Hlangwane, scored by Mender Garcia, so we've already gone over. So that did not come off the board. Although AJ had two wrong, he is the only one with one coming off the board in the correct column. He said Manchester United will win the Carabao Cup by at least two goals, and they won two to nil in David De Gea's 181st clean sheet for Manchester United, making him the single greatest goalkeeper to ever play for Manchester United by that standard, anyways. Uh, and they won another cup for the first time in six years. So I'm I'm a very happy Manchester United fan today, as AJ would <clears throat> probably predict. So. And huge shout out to the guy who, despite losing, still wins. Mar- Martin yep. Dubrovka, <laughs> despite currently being on the Newcastle roster, he played for for Manchester United earlier in the earlier in the tournament. So, despite his team losing in the final, he technically gets a winner's medal. Yep. Um, so, it was a win win for him, no matter what. But well, uh, no, because he wouldn't have got a medal if no, Newcastle won. That's right. So, that's right. So he was secretly hoping that the team that he no longer played for would win, so he could get a winner's medal. Game, he's just in the year of curious. And just, <laughs> hey, man, don't don't feel like you need to stop any of these. You can let them all through if you want. Marcus Rashford's <laughs> going to shoot on you, and he's going to score because that's what he does at this point. Hell, Casemiro's going to get a header. Just do it, man. Just let him in because I want my winner's trophy. I'll give you some of the some of the, the winning bonus. All right, so. Now that means it's time for our prediction segment and for us to make predictions. AJ went first last week. I was second. Dan was third. So we'll continue on with that. I will go first this week. Really quick before you do. I know for the, for the predictor, we didn't do anything Minnesota United because they're off. Are we still doing uh, mandatory one Minnesota? Okay. Sounds good. I will start off with my mandatory one Minnesota United. I, I will say after their first win of the season in the first game of the season, Minnesota United will finish fifth or higher in the Western conference this season. Write that down. Dan, I left it wide open for you there. Go ahead. Well, I'm not touching that one. I just know personally my write that down is that next Monday, socks and Crocs. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) I don't want to know that. (laughs) Uh, So uh, Mender Garcia will be the leading scorer or at least tied as the leading scorer for this team through the end of the Vancouver match. Write that down. Fourth game of the season? Okay. All right. That's game four. So it'll take till game four before someone surpasses him. Okay. AJ? All right. Um, This one, I I was battling this this one because I'm not sure if it feels like it's a tap-in or if this might be, you know, I I think it it has the potential to not necessarily be an all-season thing. But uh, based on what I saw, write this down. Kervin Ariaga will score from a set piece at least once this regular season. I like it. And, you know, it, if he takes them all the entire season, then, you know, maybe that's a tap in because I think he's probably bound to score. And based on what we saw um, of, on a very short sample, but if Reynoso comes back, I mean, you might as well just take it off the board. So, fair. Yeah. Okay. Good one. Dan? Uh, at the home opener. We will not see anything above 30 degrees at Allianz Field. <laughs> Write that down. Dan's going meteorolo- meteorological play- pick now. Awesome. <laughs> uh, 
for me, write that down. Seattle will win the Western Conference this season. They missed the playoffs for the first time in club history. Where did they, you get that from? Where are you pulling that out of? Kicked Colorado's ass last night, 4-0. They looked incredibly impressive. Man. Got all the guys returning. Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan looked outstanding last night. Good luck to the rest of the Western Conference. Seattle is back. They will win the Western Conference, and I believe – Whose picket is it now? AJ's maybe? I don't know. I kind of got off track here. You, yeah, you skip yourself um, before Dan's second. So after me, go back to you. But right. uh, my my next one. So huh? at least AJ's got this down. Opening week. What? Opening weekend. Saturday and Sunday. There were 12 different matches that occurred. No draws amongst all 12 matches. And I don't Incredible. know if that's, I don't know if that's a, a, a rare occurrence or how rare. I imagine it somewhat is. This week, over the course of Monday through Sunday, there are 15 different matches that are scheduled. I'm predicting a little bit of the opposite. At least a third of those will end in a draw. So there's 15. At least five of of the matches this week will result in a draw. That is a lot of draws. Wow. Okay. I like the the all wins and all losses. I don't like the draws. Yeah. yeah. So much more fun. It's too too good to be true, though. Two (laughs) weeks in a row, I feel like. Yeah, true. That's true. All right. So my for for my final pick, so we can get back in some kind of order because I messed it up because great hosting what? abilities, Jonathan. It's like I've been doing this for a couple of years. Uh, the top four at the end of the season in the Premier League will be the four teams currently there. Not in that order. I don't know what order it is, but the four teams currently in there. AJ likes this one. Uh, Arsenal, Man City, Man United and Tottenham will be the top four in the Premier League at the end of the season. Not again, not in that particular order. It's just those teams will be there. Write that down. Dan, your final pick. I'm going back to the home opener. Now, this is maybe just wishful thinking on my part, but the home opener against New York Red Bulls, we're going to see the orange ball. Yes. Write that down. Write that yes, down. Yes, I this. <laughs> I am all for this. Give me a Bring snow it opener on. again. <laughs> it's been so long since we've had a snow opener. That should be a thing that happens every single year for Minnesota United. Be our thing. All right, uh, my final pick, my final write that down. This Sunday, I'm going to stick with Johnny's Man United as they, I believe, host at Old Trafford Liverpool on Sunday. I think Liverpool has been in the mud recently. Man United has been thriving. So I'm not going to predict the score, but I'm going to predict scoring. Man United will put up at least three goals on Liverpool this Sunday. Oh, Trent Alexander Arnold has been exposed as a as a right back who cannot defend. Uh, Van Dyke isn't kind of he, he's been looking a little rough here recently. And if they trot Joe Gomez out, you might as well just add two. So you might as well just wow. give Marcus Rashford three goals at that point if Joe yeah. Gomez is out there alongside Van Dyke. Yeah, I like this prediction. It's a very confident Man United squad going into another busy week, another busy stretch of games. What's it like nine games in the next? Like twenty five yeah, days, busy, aren't they? just it's it's literally been three games a week or or a game every three days since the World Cup. It's been stupid the run they've been on. But yeah. hey, beat Barcelona in the Europa League and just beat Newcastle in the Carabao Cup final. So it's all going well for Eric Ten Hag and his boys in Manchester. Boys, that was a fun fifty three minutes uh, here on Loon Talk, talking Minnesota United and everything. Dan, you won't be here next week. It'll just be AJ and I. Maybe we'll get a special guest. Who knows? We'll see what we can do. Uh, in the next seven days, but uh, we'll have the home opener to preview next week. Loons fans uh, bask in this one nil victory over FC Dallas. The first three points of the season on the road. Uh, it was fun. Boys talking about it, breaking it all down. We will talk to you guys next week. All right. See you boys. Yep.